This time on No, Not the Mind Probe, episode number 55, Portrait of the Artist as a Young Doctor. Who are you? Welcome to No Probe, Not Mind The. What? That was a recursion. That was like, the probe was folding in on itself, which, folks, uh, is going to be relevant. Just stay tuned. Stay tuned. Mm-hmm. I wasn't having a stroke. <laughs> this is going to be relevant uh, to this episode. It will be explained in excruciating detail uh, in our second uh, story of the episode. Um, an episode of a podcast. And that's what this is. It's a podcast. Um, that sounded very surprised. It's a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Bet you weren't expecting that in your podcast app. Um, it's a podcast where we watch and rank every single Doctor Who story ever. It sometimes My- feels like you're pitching the podcast. Like, get this. It's a, yeah, podcast, it's a podcast. And what we do is, <laughs> it's like, because well, we're already doing it. We don't have to convince every them. Every episode is a new pitch. Every episode <laughs> is a new audience that's waiting to be grabbed and brought into the probe world. Um, ooh, Probe World. That would be a good ooh. sci-fi episode, too. Um, or Probe World could be the theme park uh, for that yes. N-Temp uh, <laughs> fan that Probers build. <laughs> Wow! Yes, a, a roller coaster that's just—I uh, don't know what would it be. Would it just be our tunnels well, that look like our mouths and people? Yeah, and there'd be like ones going to them. People wearing uh, those big cartoon <laughs> Paul costumes, and you could meet <laughs> Paul and shake his hand, and you know, of course, only alcoholic drinks, only probe teenies and other alcoholic drinks. Probe teens and probe gronies, yeah, yeah not no. kid friendly. Probe world is not <laughs> kid friendly. No, yeah. And the adults, pro- the adults only probing section would probably raise a lot of questions, <laughs> <laughs> more questions than it would answer. Um, well, folks, so contemplating probe world, and, and by the way, if you want to, if you want to run with that idea, um, go for it. Go for I, it. I feel like we're never yeah. going to be able to invest it, but start to go. Trademark for it. released. Yeah. We, you know, whatever you need to legally say. <laughs> My name is. <laughs> John Grant, um, and I am a lifelong Doctor Who fan, and I'm not pitching that. That's that's a fact. That's, that's um, it. Not yeah. a, no pitch. Uh, I have been watching it, uh, Doctor Who. It's a, it is uh, for 37 amazing years. My name is Porter Mason, and John's been asking me to explain away his stroke symptoms for 25 <laughs> years. And a year or so ago, I finally. Said yes, and also said I'd watch Doctor Who episodes with well, foolishly, yeah. like a yes. fool. I did this it was a uh, package deal. You signed <laughs> on the dotted line. <laughs> and when he said, "Will you watch this TV mm. show? Mm-hmm. Will you watch the episodes of this TV show?" I thought, "Okay, well, maximum, I'm talking about maybe a hundred episodes, right?" <laughs> and it turns <laughs> out, oh boy, oh boy, that's the trap. Uh, well, that is the Doctor Who Tiger trap. What we <laughs> you are what deep we do in this podcast, holes, my friend. <laughs> Is each episode we only get through two stories? We we have one of of the of the new series, the twenty first century Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and then John pairs it with one of the classic stories. That gets me at best through two. I'm in for at least one hundred fifty <laughs> episodes of this podcast. Like We're on fifty five. You sound really annoyed with the, the general form, and then John pairs it with another episode. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, twice the work. <laughs> 
Well, John, what do, what do we uh, what do we have in store for this episode? I like, by the way, how the intros always always seems like this podcast is fresh and new to us. Like we're discovering the <laughs> format every time. <laughs> what is this? No, wait, we're watching Doctor, and apparently I react to it and oh, talk boy. about my opinions. I should have read this huh. script before I just dive into this. All right, but anyway, we even though it was like, and my name is Porter Mason. Okay, oh, well, well I didn't know that. That sounds good. <laughs> What's my motivation? <laughs> Your motivation <laughs> is that you're going to watch this week. Um, uh, two arty, artsy episodes. Uh, first off, we have uh, Matt Smith and Karen Gillan. No Rory. This time, absolutely no Rory from beginning to end. Stop talking about Rory. There's never Rory's been a Rory. Free. Yeah, there's no Rory. Um, uh, in, uh, um, and uh, Vincent van Hoff. You know, so I, I lived in the Netherlands for two years, folks, so I know how to pronounce it correctly. And it's not Van Go. It's not like... Uh, uh, you know, go dog, go. go no, no, here, yeah. it's been half. You got a half. Oh, uh, Vincent and the doctor, oh, uh, and then in, in Vincent and the doctor, it's called. Uh, and then uh, we've paired that with the um, oh, what's this intriguing uh, story? <laughs> Castrovalva, groundbreaking. Uh, the yes, there we go. The uh, the first uh, Peter Davison fifth doctor story with Adric, Tegan, Nissa, and the master, and a cast of, of many more people in funny hats. And clearly was watched by a young Christopher Nolan. Yes, yes. It's basically Inception. That... <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're going to recap some of these episodes here. Probably the two we just talked about. I think we should recap yeah. those two because you just yeah, mentioned and, them. And you went through the trouble the format, to explain them. Unwrapping the format as we go. Like, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> uh, okay. I, mm. You know, I bet you have a lot to say about this one. Let me try to get through the synopsis of it fairly quickly, which is Matt's the 11th Doctor and Amy Ponder here. And I mentioned this last episode of our podcast i'll mention it again uh amy who was betrothed to marry rory the love mm-hmm. of her life mm-hmm. um he has been erased from her d- the doc due to the doctor essentially uh rory is now gone and been erased from her memory so her life is effectively destroyed um he can't return her to earth and anyway and this is just barely even mentioned he's like well, well moving there. on let's yeah. go stevenson van gogh um so they go to the, you can help me pronounce this, the Musée d'Orsay. Musée d'Orsay, yes, in Dorsay. Paris. I have in been Paris. there. It's a lovely museum. It's actually a very and I cool guess, museum. is this true? This is where they, it looks like an incredible Van Gogh exhibit. I know. Uh, they have, I believe they have some, but they're, uh, this is clearly some special exhibition or something. But yes, it, is not, oh, okay. it does not have quite as extensive a collection. As and looking at the paintings, uh, the doctor notices in a particular painting called The Church at Auvers, um, he notices uh, an alien figure in the window of the painting and says, we have to go back and talk to Van Gogh. And uh, they find him. He's kind of a social pariah. Um, everyone... When they say they're trying to find him, everyone's like, oh, that guy, (laughs) this dude, he owes me money. You know, they spit at him, his paintings, everyone's like, yeah, I guess he's a painter. Theoretically, like it's all terrible. He puts Um, paint on canvas. So sure. Someone's all uh, where where they meet him. Someone's just been murdered outside of there. um, And when they they want to go see what what happens, the the people in the town are blaming Vincent for the killing or just that i, I don't know they do they think he did it he, he, no i think it's more he's just it's just sort of superstitious though he's he's crazy and he's like, around and he has an happen. evil spirit in him yeah right he's bad luck basically i, I think yeah so 
they talk more with him. And, you know, as you might imagine with Vincent van Gogh, who, you know, famously uh, offs himself, he is a troubled guy. And they, mm-hmm. and they see that. Not and well. um, he immediately takes a liking to Miss Amy Pond and who wouldn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and and right he um, Amy is attacked by something. And what we find out is that Vincent is able to see this creature that clearly attacked Amy and then the doctor and Amy cannot see. He draws it. The doctor says, I know what that is. It's a Kerfias. Kerfias? Yeah. Is that right? Kerfias. I forget how. Jagrafis. Um, no, it's something else. Yeah. Anyway. So. It's a um, monster. Anyway, they basically <clears throat> develop a plan to say, you know, you paint, the, you can paint the monster that you see and then you'll kind of tell us where it is and we can fight it and we have a scene where he's kind of leading the doctor saying go oh, he's over there he's over there and they have like uh eventually in in this fight the the um we find that this is sort of it's not actually kind of a sad creature that this creature mm-hmm. is stuck here and is blind and is sort of thrashing around killing people it doesn't really know what it is. it's like it's like a hippo has escaped the zoo it's like right. it's just kind of going around and right uh, but it is it does it's killed in the kerfuffle because it actually and is actually impaled by vincent's easel um and vincent uh is feels very sad for you know he just feels every emotion tenfold it seems yes he's very Um, sensitive to things and yes yeah seems to be part of his and then we have a lovely scene where um they sit and vincent sort of describes what he sees and this is definitely true to different extents where People theorize that there was something not just in his brain, but in his vision that he seemed to just see the literally see the world differently. Um, yeah. And he describes what he's seeing in the night sky. And they do a nice little animation to sort of show how that becomes Starry Night, night which yeah. I believe is his most famous yeah, painting. One of his most famous, yeah. Um, so then they decide, which to, is, I believe, at the Musée d'Orsay. So that, that one, I, I think, is, I believe, is, okay. is there. Yeah. Uh, they decide to take him to present day and show him um, just what becomes of him in the future. Um, and sort of partly because Amy is seeing what a, just a tragic person he is and saying like, well, surely this will, if we do this, this will extend his life. He won't commit suicide. He'll know that his life has value because he just constantly sees himself as worthless. She knows that he like in history he commits suicide if he sees this um and we have a nice little cameo by bill nye who i assume was already bill nye at that point right this is a cameo it's not just a random yeah i know he's very he's you know been a big actor forever but he's uncredited actually yeah it's an uncredited little appearance yeah but uh, he's a curator at the modern day museum and he he was already in the initial part of the episode and then when they come back they just ask him with vincent there overhearing say like could you just tell us like where do you rank Van Gogh in the pantheon of painters and really gives a lovely statement about him saying he's basically at the top the greatest painter and then really really touching says not only that but one of the greatest men just be- whoever lived because he says that he's able to not just see and feel other people's emotions and sadness but transform their sadness and his own sadness into these joyous paintings and you know it speaks it's a quite eloquent speech uh, mm-hmm. about the beauty of van gogh and it really really um affects uh, vincent they take him back 
and Amy is just so certain that when they return now, we'll have seen that, you know, Van Gogh lived to the ripe age of 80 and painted <laughs> yeah. a thousand more paintings. But in fact, um, no, it's basically nothing, nothing has changed really. <clears throat> um, and, and there's the doctor has a speech about that, that like, um, you know, your life is, has bad and good in it. And, um, you know, you can't, you don't, they're not in general for, for them, but for anyone living in life, it's like, you're trying to add good into someone's life, not because you're going to fix everything about their life, but you made it a little more good. And that's all you can expect. That, that's all you can want. And, right. there's, that, that, and that's and, a goal in and of itself. It doesn't need to change everything. Yeah. And, and, and Richard Curtis, who's the writer here, was clearly writing about depression and, and sort of, you know, I like that moment where it's kind of like, yeah, look, depression isn't just, you aren't just curing depression by being like, well, here's a balloon and some flowers. Like, see, <laughs> now you're happy. So uh, snap out of it. Right. I mean, um, you know, which, yeah, so showing you know depression is, is disease it's much deeper than that um uh and uh, yeah it's just not gonna be oh we'll show them some nice stuff and then it'll go and be like oh okay huh marry somebody and move into a nice place <laughs> a nice a nice time <laughs> so yeah i thought that was a lovely little lovely little moment um yeah this is this is by richard curtis uh famous for four weddings and a funeral and we've talked about the work of actually curtis. yeah um uh, black adder the vicar of dibley mr bean uh so sort of a legendary uh, comic writer. Um, he uh, he would have been. So he he also founded Comic Relief, uh, which obviously is a huge charity uh, in the UK. Um, and um, uh, interestingly, would have worked with and produced with Stephen Moffat the uh, uh, the Comic Relief special where Rowan Atkinson played Doctor Who, and they did a whole thing with uh, Hugh Grant and everything else. So very cool. So been connected with Doctor Who before, but you know, again, Stephen Moffat bringing in big writers who you know were known for their series and stuff, and so. Um, brought richard curtis oh, by the way also episode. uh one of my favorite movies he also wrote is about time which is a time travel movie yeah and exactly. um it's a brilliant it's a very writer. wonderful uh, <clears throat> um time travel movie too uh a brilliant writer and i, I thought um uh what i always forget because this, this story is is rightfully acclaimed for that final scene in particular but um uh, you know, people remember it being a very sad story and stuff, but it's also very funny. It's very funny and witty uh, lines and stuff. And I, I love them. You know, Van, Van, Van Gogh doesn't appreciate his paintings. He's just painting over stuff and putting coffee. And they're like, no, oh, no. And that's good. And I love the interplay with him and, and, and Karen Gillan. Um, uh, and of course, you know, Karen Gillan and, and, and is really good in this. Um, and so the relationship with uh, uh, Vincent and I like the... Um, but they still do. They have at one point they're like, um, you know, you've lost someone, and she's like, no, I haven't. Uh, what do you mean? And he says, you're crying, and like she realizes she cries. So like clearly something about Rory is, um, which was good. The alternate title for this: there's something about Rory, uh, <laughs> <laughs> clearly still lingering. Um, but she's great. Uh, Tony Curran is the person who plays um, Al Vincent, and uh, he is really good. Uh, looks a lot like him uh, based on the self portraits and stuff. Um, but there's a really good performance here. Um, it's not a, it's not a huge, the story is pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. I think there is, I wish they'd gone into it just a touch more. Like I think there is supposed to be, again, the reason Vincent can see the monster and nobody else can is in part because of his, his depression, but in part because of his, you know, as you say, he, he just sees the world in a different way. Um, <clears throat> that that's kind of, I thought that was lighted over a little quickly. Like it should almost a little more directly explain like, why, why can he see the monster? And nobody else can, um, but he's kind of dispatched very quickly. Like, I mean, you know, by the time they, they bookended it with the opening at the museum and, you know, it's a very quick, they, this, the plot is really not what the story is about, right? It's, it's really about trying to tackle sort of this issue of depression. It's, it's very different 
story for Doctor Who, but it really is that that final scene, which I've watched many times uh, and still brings a tear to the eye. Uh, it is a very, you know, Bill, Bill Nye is, is, it's a tiny role, but he's perfectly cast to pull that off yes. and just gives it a really great monologue, um, which could be cheesy, right? I mean, it is, you know, it's like, okay, well, one of the greatest men who ever lived is like, all right, I mean, dial it back, old dude. Um, but actually, he delivers it perfectly understated. And so it's like, yeah, okay, yeah, this guy genuinely believes that, right? Um, uh, and, uh, and sort of makes her an, an amazing moment. Um, and yeah, this was, this is a very popular story with people. Um, it's interesting, interestingly, um, uh, I showed this story when, uh, so I lived in Amsterdam for a while and there's a Van Hoff museum uh, and you can go and see. And, and so we went one day when Mike's uh, parents, uh, or my husband's parents were visiting, uh, and uh, we went to the museum and blah, 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 and had a nice day and retired at the end of the day. And so, uh, we got back and I was in the mood for some Dr. Who, so I put the, this episode on, uh, and, um, uh, they enjoyed it very much. Um, I'm like, oh, this is Doctor Who. This is very, it's again, very different, but it's a very sweet episode. Um, uh, they then started watching Doctor Who. It's like another people, another set of people hooked on Doctor Who just based on uh, this episode. Interestingly, then that evening, we watched another, a newer episode of Doctor Who where the universe was represented by a talking frog. And they were like, this is very different. <laughs> I was like, yes, <laughs> there is going to be a lot of variety in this, in this series. We'll get to the frog episode uh, at a later date. But um uh yeah it's just a, it's a it's a it's a, a lovely cool episode but it is a very weird episode in the sense that it's not what you expect out of doctor who right no well well it's i mean it's reminiscent of some of the other history episodes but uh it in that it's sort of enjoying itself of like we're gonna bring life to this historical period and like you said it does have funny moments and, and cheeky moments but the fact that it goes into his depression and, and and talks about that i actually would have liked them and maybe they didn't do this because this in and of itself was a bit of a departure um i think they could have gone into it even more from the sense of amy trying to fix it mm. um and that affecting her it affected her and she does a good yeah. job but i feel like it feels like one of those moments where she would have become even more obsessed with it, like almost trying to go back and do it again. And like, no, we like, and um, I don't know. I think there was something interesting there. It almost, I almost felt like it, maybe this would even be like two episodes. Somehow. I don't know. Maybe not, but like no, there's something to it that like um, <coughs> is on the cusp of something really, really great. Um, the actor yeah, she's is great a little too for... glib, right? Like she's, she's a little yeah. too, yeah. And she's like, um, or you, you, I don't know if they're trying to play like, okay, yeah, she's affected by, she's never met Rory. I mean, that could be, I mean, maybe they need to spell out. She's never in this version. She's never met Rory. She's never been influenced yeah. by Rory. So he's been erased from her life. And so maybe that changes her character in some way. Right. Because, you know, she grew up with him, right. Or she, you know, she's known him forever. Um, so yeah, maybe it's sort of like, okay, she's, you know, she's actually, um, she's a completely different person now without Rory. And so that's why she thinks like, Oh, we can solve this guy's depression with this very simple, um, solution. Um, uh, because yeah, otherwise she just, she's just kind of, it's very glib through the whole thing. And, and it's like, ah, oh, yes, we'll take him to the museum. We'll show him the good thing. He'll be all happy or whatever. And she's got a lot of quips and, and, and stuff like that. And, and yeah, that might've been an interesting, uh, I don't know. might've also been a very boring episode for kids. <laughs> like, oh, and then like, now we're going to really get into this depression thing. Everybody <laughs> be fun. Right. But, right. Uh, yeah. It could be, it could have been a really deep psychological, uh, uh, you know, uh, profile. Well, I just also, I think um, sometimes you get obsessed with 
accomplishing a task or making something happen because it's actually something else you're trying to fix right. within you. And it seems like it would have been this thing that I could imagine her just being like, no, we've got to fix this. We got to fix this when it's like, well, actually there's something off with her, with Rory missing, uh, whatever. I'm writing a whole other script in my head, but I just think I basically, I just thought this was an interesting thing. Um, that scene at the end was so great. And the fact that she was, also somewhat devastated but like i can't believe that didn't change anything mm-hmm. that just felt and maybe there'll be more to it in future episodes but like i i thought that was that is an interesting thing that we don't we've, we've had in a couple episodes of doctor who and i think it's interesting and i think it's powerful where yeah. they're that like you have this power of time travel and yet it actually you're it's one of the reasons that the doctor sort of wears this heavy heart of like yeah, I, I can go anywhere and see anything, but I can't change some things. I, I can't. And that's yeah. sort of uh, that's just soul crushing in some ways. Um, or you just start to learn to deal with it. And his speech at the end is is really great that I think basically his speech at the end really addresses that. And I'd love to just explore that more of like, look, we're just trying to do our best. Like We're just yeah. trying to get up and do our best. And that's something that's not nothing. Yeah, like we you gave him a little bit more happiness. Um, throw in the yeah. towel. Um, yeah, so, so. so I think what we're saying is Richard Curtis. Great job. Uh, we have some red lines. Some notes. Uh, yeah. So I mean, let's like, print this out. We're going to send it to you. And I think, I think yeah. you could go places uh, with this, um, but uh, you know, just a, just a, little, a few more touches. And, and then, so next week we'll start going through each episode of black adder. Some notes on that. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know. I have a lot of acting notes for Rowan but i think he i think he'll t- i think he'll enjoy them yeah i forget if we mentioned this before on the podcast but just a quick aside about mr bean is that i my kids watched it and mm. did we talk about this on the podcast i think we I talked about it we talked about off, so much but we anyway really stop talking to each other outside the podcast i'll it's just <laughs> <to focus. laughs> i'll just reiterate that like my kids uh or four and six years old i uh, put on mr bean and i was so happy that like they loved it like they really loved it because you never know when you're showing, you know, your kids or your or just like new friends or something. Well, you talk about this all the time of showing Doctor Who of like, I'm going to show you this. Please, please be open minded. And if you don't like it, be polite about it, because, you know, you're showing something very dear to you. And it was it's great to have life. them watch something that I like, I love. And they really loved it. Uh, Mr. Bean transcends all time and space. Um, I very, agree. Very funny. I agree. That's deep. That is deep. All right. We're all right. We're going to move on from Richard Curtis. We're done with him. Yeah. I feel like we've mined all that he is useful for. We may be done with Richard Curtis, but he ain't done with us. Uh, (laughs) But we are for now going to move on to our classic episode, Castrovalva, which Mm, is season 19, the first story of season 19. A new doctor has just regenerated. And uh, this is the uh, 4th through the 12th of January. It's four episodes that aired right all in the about a week there uh, the 4th through the 12th of mm-hmm. January mm-hmm. that's crazy so we're just airing every night rather than yeah. like once a week that's the, yeah they, they changed the schedule or every other night and, yeah they start man yeah, and get it in order yep yeah. uh in 1982 and it's the 116th of 297 Doctor Who stories and John has a little clip which I will play for you right about now thank you I wonder boy what would you do if you were me hmm Or perhaps I should ask, what would I do if I were me? (laughs) Will it tell us how to fly the TARDIS? I'm sure that's in here somewhere once we find the index file. How do we find the index file? Of course, if we had an index file, we could look it up in the index file under index file. 
Christ's saying? I'm talking nonsense. Recursion isn't nonsense. Hey? That's an example of recursion, when procedures fold back on themselves. If you had an index file, you could look it up in the index file. If? My dad used to say that if was the most powerful word in the English language. Recursion's a powerful mathematical concept, but I don't see how it can help us now. If. I-F stands for index file. All right. Yeah. So um, I, I included that particular clip <laughs> because, it because it has rec- captures so much about writing. the episode. Yeah. Captures so much about the episode of like, let's explain con- complex mathematical concepts because that's what the kids want. Uh, <laughs> and so, yes, an interesting discussion about recursion in the context of, ooh, we should, what if we, what if we had an index file? So, yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah. I would say that the overall synopsis for this episode is there's a lot going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they're they're trying. It's only four episodes, um, but here's what we have going on. Uh, we just had a regeneration, so uh, the the fifth Doctor is here, Peter Davison. This is his first. I mean, our first. I, I don't. I'd be interested to know if this is one of those that they filmed out of order, kind of a thing we've talked about with regenerations of the past. But it's our first introduction to him, so he's sort of finding his footing as the fifth doctor and we're sort of seeing who he's going to be we have three very different companions so we still have adric nissa and tegan um and then we have uh we just have so much going on so they <laughs> they land legopolis just happened nothing and yet it's so boring <laughs> yeah i know i know so Logopolis just happened i really liked Logopolis, by the way i had forgotten that the end of Logopolis was where he ended up uh, where Tom Baker ended up dying because I, right. I remember the whole other part of it where they're actually on Legopolis. Um, but at any rate, and I've also then forgot that like, oh yeah, the master was what set yeah. that off. Yeah, yeah, a lot of master, which I anyway very popular with you. I know you were like, yes, <sighs> yes. No, I know, I know. Right. So yeah, then we also have the master. <laughs> so the doctor, he's in his little regeneration state, and he has to be taken to the zero room where apparently he can be healed. And, you know, this regeneration is different. It's not going well. He needs to heal. Uh, they, uh, they're, Tegan and Nissa are like, well, let's figure out how to use the TARDIS. And they, like, pull up in the manual. Um, got this so it's essentially, TARDIS. You do something with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's essentially like watching people go through, like, the IKEA instructions for something. And they're like, okay, no, I was- think you put this that was slot in. episode, actually. Yeah. They were like, what if they just put together some furniture? <laughs> <laughs> And Adric is around too. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big Nissa or Adric fan. I, I love Tegan. I don't know. I just always like her. She's just—I don't really like her. In every situation, she's <laughs> Very just brassy, funny. Yeah. yeah, she's brassy. They try to pilot the TARDIS, um, but they end up finding that either because of something they did or something out of their control, they are rapidly going back in time towards the singularity that they never referred to they refer to it as event one it is essentially the big bang which they simplify by saying it's the beginning of the galaxy which is not really true it's the beginning of the universe right but eh, anyway well um, they're a little dim right they're like oh what's happening back in time to event one like hydrogen inrush or something like that it's like hmm What could event? We're in space in a time machine. What could event one be? And it's like, right. I feel like you could work this. Out. That was that was. I mean, and I, 
maybe this is ignorant. It's 1982. Well, yeah, no, it's 1982. Like the Big Bang was a thing we talked about at yeah. that point, right? I mean, pretty sure people would have been at least a rear. I feel like that was aware. talked about even like in the like 60s and 50s, maybe maybe before then. I, I don't know because all you need yeah, to and know. I don't think you had to learn advanced physics to do it, right? It's not like you had to be like, well, I've, I've read the Hawking books, so now. <laughs> My understanding is that the Big Bang would have been theorized as soon as they found the redshift of the stars around us. It was as soon as they understood that stars were redshifted, and, uh, implying that they were heading in a certain way, and then when they mapped that out, they're yeah. like, ooh, they're all headed toward the same point. Yeah. That's, that's the Big Bang, and I think that happened in, I would say, the 40s or 50s, but I don't right. know. Yeah, because I think relativity is connected um, to that, right? Everything's moving. Yeah, that's that's something part of it. Okay, so uh, we'll, we'll explain Einstein. We'll, we'll get to that later. That'll be in <laughs> themes. The theme is general and specific relativity, general and special relativity. So uh, the zero room, yeah, he needs to be in the zero room. I don't know if that's ever heard of or mentioned ever again, yep, but yep, we need yep. to be there. Brand new. Um, the master has set the trap, but sending them to the Big Bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lose Adric. That's too bad. Uh, <laughs> they say, hey. Zero room is crashing, but why don't we put the doctor into a coffin and jettison him into the air <laughs> and we'll send him to a place. I believe they just pull out of their butts of like, oh, yeah, Castro Valva. That seems nice. Well, Let's yeah, they find it in or? the uh, they find it in a computer data bank uh, and later um, finds out that it was set up there by the master to send them there. But why? I mean, the master could also just pilot the TARDIS straight to the center or whatever. Yeah, so why? Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway. OK, yeah. so this is I was referring to John about this off air, which is we have four episodes of this yeah. convoluted story. And it's like episode three and a half. They're like, by the way, here's the entire civilization of Castro Valva. And we'll explain <laughs> that to you. It was like. It's it's Castro Valva is the place where they go and you know it's this whole world but you but it's needed, just thrown at you so quickly <laughs> that like what what why you are we here like, time for a lengthy uh, sequence of Tegan and Nyssa carrying a box you need a good <laughs> twenty minutes of them literally just moving a box they got a moving on a wheelchair and they're and it's just them carrying heavy furniture because that's what kids want. That's what kids look Well, like. eventually what they find out <laughs> is that what Castro Valva is, amongst other things, of kind of looking like a weird neo-Roman civilization, um, is that it is an illusion and it is a, rec- you know, all the talk of recursion earlier, it is a recursive occlusion of time and space. And we see some, uh, at a certain point, the town square is turned in on itself, and we see a familiar kind of like an M.C. Escher painting. Yep. Um, and you said this is based off of, of an yeah. Escher so this Castro Valva is you can Google it. I'll, I'll stick it up when I eventually add notes to the webpage. I'll stick a link to it. But yeah, it, it, you can actually what there's a shot that shows it uh, a city sort of on a cliffside or whatever, and it's pretty much the Castro Valva um, uh, uh, sketch that uh, Escher did. Um, it does not um, it the sketch itself, I believe, does not sort of include any optical illusions or any, you know, anything that Escher was known for, but obviously he's sort of inspired by that. They're like, all right, well, what, you know, what if inside the city reflected sort of some of the, the images Escher created? So, yeah. Yeah. MC Escher it's a famous, famous one, right? I think of Escher's of all the stairs and they're upside down and stuff. And you can kind of see that in the interior design of like, you know, Oh yeah. Okay. I see what they're going for. Yes. He was uh, inspired by a lot of things implied by math and geometry and, uh recursion in a way but like tessellations and and yeah um yeah mc escher check him out he's cool (laughs) 
you we're giving check him out we're, and if, we're recommending mc escher to you we'll recommend mc escher you'll tell probably you, end up telling the like, probe sent you a poster of his up on your college dorm room wall. That seems like if you were, you. if you were, uh, if you were a, a sophisticated smart kid. So if you, if you, once you grew out of the John yeah. Belushi in the college sweatshirt, uh, or you know, a Raiders last like movie poster, you replaced it with uh, some MC Escher. Uh, yeah, that's my Escher painting. That's oh, no big yeah, deal. yeah. Is that an original? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. In my crappy dorm room, I have a original MC Escher painting. So. There, there are characters in Castrovalva. There, I don't know that they're important. Um, my favorite thing of this whole episode, whole story, is that when I'm telling you the honest truth, that to solve this recursive problem, this one dude just swings on a chandelier and jumps at it, whatever it is, and breaks it somehow. Like he just throws himself, <laughs> he jumps on a chandelier in a very like not impressive and athletic way just sort of swings slowly towards something and falls and that we are told breaks reality and now we get everyone you know he's got back. a great name shardavan i think good name. name a kid shardavan i'll do that and portrieve yeah um did you, now did you did, did the portrieve of course the master cleverly disguised disguise did you did you catch it did you notice did you, did you see the disguise could you see anthony ainley Staring at you out through that old man makeup, oh, or no. shocked it was by it when it happened. Impossible to to see. He's the master <laughs> of disguise. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway, and then we leave. But you know, thank goodness. Though, what was nice about this story is that at the end of it, the master is trapped in his own tra- uh, reality recursive, and we'll never hear from him again. So that's a relief yep, because, out. like you know, that, that's done. So yep. we'll never hear from the master again. until time. Right. Yeah. Oh, and th- so what does happen? I'll just mention, and then I w- want to hear more of your details. Here is um. We do over the course. Of the, the thing I liked about the episode is having seen Peter Davison in the future. You do kind of bit by bit see all the trappings of the Peter Davison Doctor come to fruition throughout the mm-hmm. course of the episode because he starts. One of the things that I really liked and is one of the things he does early on as he starts to as he's recovering from regeneration, looking around is he literally unravels the scarf. He's yeah. like the scarf is unraveled mm-hmm. and I will not be wearing a scarf. Yeah. And very deliberately it, you know yeah. there's a kind of a point to it in the plot to some extent yeah but i love that that was just a symbolic gesture of like that's yeah. go you that goes away now this guy is done <laughs> yeah no and, and very deliberately very deliberately done uh because yeah this is davison's first now i think we've talked about this when we uh, we talked about a later one but um he actually recorded this i think fourth uh okay, in order right you mentioned that that uh, is commonly done yeah so, so this was basically done to like oh we want you to get and they did yeah this was Matt Smith as well but i was like all right let's let's figure you before we before we make you be all crazy and figure out how to get there we should figure out where you're going uh and then we come back and you can do sort of the performance to, to get to it um and yeah davison and, and you gotta i mean this is so by when this was the sort of biggest regeneration, right? The fourth Tom Baker had been in the role for seven years. Nobody, right? there are a lot of kids who just didn't know anyone else, right? That, that only ever had seen Baker. Um, so this was, so to cast someone else was huge. And the producer was like, I'm going to cast somebody completely different. Um, so similar to like with Hart and all the, to Trout, and then like, we're going to cast somebody completely different um, in the role. And, you know, obviously it's a big gamble. Um uh davison is also was also very famous already so that was the you know it's kind of interesting he was the youngest uh, actor cast in the role until matt smith but um he was he was famous he played tristan farnan in the all creatures great and small 
uh, a series which is very popular and, and globally popular. Uh, as he's the, the younger brother, see, it's a good series uh, and uh, a very different character. So he's he's sort of well known for that. He's also, I think, in a sitcom at the time, and it's called Sink or Swim or something like that, which I don't think I've ever seen. Um, but he was in, he, he was well known already, so he's an established actor already, and then you know took on this role. Um, and yeah, they sort of like, okay, this is this is you know this is this is your new doctor. Um, so this was a huge episode. Uh, which does call into question why they decided to make it totally incomprehensible. <laughs> all right. All right. So we have one of our biggest audiences in years. Everybody's very excited to see the doctor. What if we set the first two episodes just in the TARDIS uh, and have people having dialogue we've heard in the clip? Um, and then, yeah, then we rush the ending in some incomprehensible story set in, like around mathematical concepts of recursion. Um, that's what the kids want. Uh, and that's what people <laughs> want in these stories. This is by Chris Rage Bitmead. He was the script editor at the end of the Baker years, and, and, and we've talked about this with Legopolis and stuff, and he wrote Legopolis as well. He really wanted to explore hard science concepts, and he really wanted to ground Doctor Who and sort of uh, in, in real concepts or real scientific concepts. So that's what he was, he was going for uh, here. But yeah, it, it is. there's an interesting idea at the heart of this, uh, but it is... It's a slog. <laughs> it's hard going <laughs> through this particular <laughs> one. Um, uh, and yeah, those those opening two episodes. Uh, and of course, it's also, so you've got Davis is brand new, of course. You have Tegan, who'd only appeared in, in the um, Legopolis. Uh, you have Nissa, who'd only appeared in the Keeper of Trocken in Legopolis. So she's, both of them are new still. Um, and then you also have uh, uh, Adric, who was new that season of the season. But Adric's sort of the most veteran actor. And of course, it's the, played by the, the actor with the least experience um, of the whole group. Uh, so it's, it's, it's an entirely new cast um, in this show. And, and yeah, the decision to showcase it in a very strange sort of hard sci-fi episode um, it's not quite so the idea, I guess, is Castrovalva was a trap and like, OK, once he got in there, it was going to fold in on itself. And it wasn't 100% clear why this was the trap or how this was supposed to I mean, work. I think there's something cool about the idea of this recursive trap and, you know, and then obviously they're limited by the visual effects they have. And they tried this thing, this one scene where they showed the square going in on itself and they're sort of mirroring around some of the images and. There's something kind of there's something that could be interesting, especially involving time travel and, and falling in on itself. But it's not what happened. <laughs> there's something and interesting, and it is not what happened. Which uh, it's uh, especially once you've seen Inception, where the city folds in on it, actually does fold. Uh, like, yeah, oh, okay, I mean, so that, sure. that works better. Um, I, I will give them credit. I, I will say where they where they kind of nail it, which is cool. Um, is yes, all the visual effects in the world can't do it. Explain what's happening. But the scene that explains it is uh, he draws a, a square on the back of a, a, a wall and says, um, tells the characters, where is your where is your house? And and they're like, this is my house. This is my house. This is my house. <laughs> like, Wait a second. This doesn't make any sense. And then they and they talk through that. And it's like, oh, that that was very cleverly done. Like that explains sort of the the that these characters are in it and they can't recognize uh, and, and but you know, all done with a piece of chalk uh, as a simple prop. Um, what was the so, episode was with the time loop in it? Um, I believe it was Tom Baker. Um, and, no, it was K- yeah, Canine was in it, and 
there's they're trying to break themselves out of oh, Megalos. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, they was it Megalos? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. it's the beginning, right? They're caught in a chronic hysteresis, and they they can't. Yeah. They, they try to race. They try to beat the loop. They try to act it out before. Uh, and that I feel was like a there's something movie, with that mix in here that would be interesting. But um, yeah, you know. And then I wanted to say, Nissa, I just I I just can't get into Nissa. She has these like dead eyes and the delivery, <laughs> and I'm not anything necessary about the actress. I'm sure this is was directed of her of, of this is the character but she's just so flat the affect yeah. is so flat that it's just it's just really difficult to get into and she's then supposed to be a science yeah. sciencey character and like an orphan and whatever and, and yeah supposed to be kind of a genius like adric in a way and yeah she ends up playing it very flat as you say um uh and god i think they say it like a couple of times and like oh yes nissa your expertise is in telebiogenesis or something like that and it's like yeah okay, yeah, sure. That's yeah. oh sure it is <laughs> sure it is dear i don't know and then uh and then adric is just kind of annoying i mean i you know i don't know well they kind of sideline him. episode i like of adric is the one where he dies but i genuinely yeah. did kind of like him in that episode <laughs> and then um the ones well, no, they that, him. Of course, you have to um, sideline here again. Another thing bold to do is say, "Okay, we're going to introduce you introduce you to a brand new doctor." And in regeneration episodes in the past, he'd always been a little unstable through like the first episode, right? Like Tom Baker was a little, you know, a little little uh, went because the costume changes and was you know struggling to uh, you know stay focused or whatever in his first episode so as he was going through the post regeneration crisis. Um, this one, they make Peter Davison kind of. A, out of it for the first four episodes right he's, it's almost it's not until yeah. the very end that he's kind of like okay i guess i'm through it now it's like again you're really sidelining your major character here which is kind of what they did with david Tennant, but yeah. you have the through line of rose and, and mickey and everybody was sort of exactly yeah i think it worked there because you had a stronger character that everyone was familiar with they could latch on to but again tegan and adric are all still fairly new um and so uh, uh yeah so it's hard to do it and then of course you have anthony ainley as the master this is his third appearance after keeper of track and legopolis um and um just way over the top. Just like he just yeah. needed to twirl his mustache and like, just like, way over the top. <laughs> these aren't my, you know, I don't like these master episodes, but I definitely think Delgado I prefer as as the master. <clears throat> I, I don't know. I just sort of he makes more sense. And this Edward so Ainley plays Tremus, who's Nissa's father and keeper of truck, and it's a great performance. He's very subtle and and you know and, and is is a very convincing character. And then Tremus gets taken over by the master. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then um, uh, he's actually not. He plays in costume. He plays the Portrieve here, and he plays him as sort of an old man. And um, again, he's he's. he's it's a decent performance. And you're kind of like, okay, so he's capable of being subtle and, and sort of yeah. realistic. And then, yeah, then he just gets that master costume and he's like, <laughs> by the way, this means, uh, probers and, and me have now seen quite a run of stories here because all these ones we've described, I've seen uh, for about five or six stories in a row, I think. Uh, yeah, leading so up to uh, yeah, so definitely Baker's finally. So you've seen, um, uh, so we've definitely seen, uh, uh, Megalos, I believe, creature Peladon. from the pit came after that. We've seen, um, uh, we've seen, uh, a uh, 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 full circle. Uh, we have seen, um, uh, we've seen uh, State of Decay. I think Warriors Gage is the only one we haven't seen in that final season. And then, yeah, you get right into Castro yeah. Um, uh, so look yeah. at me, look, look at, at me. you. <laughs> You're starting to fill in the really? gaps. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so I just, um, that's why I think this was it was tough 
because you were kind of meeting Peter Davison, but there was just nothing else to hold on to. And, you know, I kind of think it might set the tone for him uh, in general a little bit where it's just like never really feels like he gets his footing um, as the doctor. Yeah. And very I mean, tough yeah. shoes to fill. Well, that's the thing, right? I mean, he's partly, okay, how do we, uh, Baker was so larger than life and so commanding, you have to go a little bit in a different direction. Um, and, uh, but I think they went too far in the direction of, oh, he's a little, he's a little ineffectual. He's constantly struggling with all these complaining companions. You've got Tegan who wants to go home. You got Nissa's race smart. You got Adric who's, he's sort of saddled with all these annoying teenagers. Um, and, you know, he's also the youngest uh, doctor. Um, and so it's like he has to, and, and how they kind of wanted to play it was, all right, he's, he's an old man trapped in a young man's body. Um, and they thought, mm. okay, yeah, it'll be interesting. if he, he has to be sort of the senior member of the party, you know, trying to be Hartnell, but in, in a, a young person. And so a person's appearance. And so like, you know, is that what challenge? I, but I don't think they quite executed on that very well, right? Here he's dealing with sort of the, the angst of these younger characters that he's traveling with. And he doesn't look any older than them, but actually he's, you know, hundreds of years older. Um, and that might've been interesting. Maybe. I mean, there's the, um, uh, the, uh, uh, a lot of critics at the time complained that Doctor Who was becoming too soap opera, like that they're just uh, they're fighting and uh, and uh, <clears throat> the refer uh, 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 the the American so the you know the little round things in the TARDIS are called roundels, you know the 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 in the walls. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, you know uh, the the American equivalent of what this critic wrote would basically be like, yeah, it's like watching Days of Our Lives with roundels. Uh, <laughs> they're in there arguing in this sci-fi thing, but arguing about stupid sort of petty stuff. So it, it, it just it doesn't it does not quite right. It's an interesting sci-fi idea that does not quite work. Math, 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 math. Theme, 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 theme. Math, theme, math, theme. Wait, the verse of theme is meath. Right? Theme. Yeah. Emmet, Emmet. Meath. I think I got it. I think I got it, and it was perfect and brilliant. I think I nailed. I want to hear that in like a the next recording from a band or whatever. It's just like, and they're just like, I think I got it. It's a song. Weird here. It's of the repeating meath here on the mind probe. We like to look at topics and ideas that are thread through the fabric of Doctor Who as well as our culture. Uh, John, what do you want to talk about with these? With these, well, two? so uh, pro- probers, longtime probers will know that two weeks ago uh, we talked about uh, we we um, we provided a a master class in satire and explain. And I, I've had phone, a field of phone calls from the Yale English department who were like, "Ah, <laughs> oh, you you nailed it! You have got to teach it." <laughs> can, I, can I play here? I'm going to play a clip now. We're like, what is satire? Is it maybe when they talk about history, but then they joke about it? Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> we got them. <laughs> yeah. So I think we really blew the doors off of critical literary interpretation uh, in that episode. So let's let's move on then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to uh, you know, so so what I think these are both very non-traditional stories. Uh, certainly not sort of the alien invasion story or, or anything uh, uh, like that. And clearly trying to explore other concepts. Um, and your classic sort of sci-fi uh, structured tale. Um, but I think what's interesting is, is this, is this 
a television attempt at literary sci-fi, right? Is this exploring ideas um, that maybe don't work that well on TV or, or it's more difficult to do on TV. And then I, so I was trying to think about like, yeah, we sort of often say, oh, sci-fi is about big ideas, sci-fi is about big ideas, but are sci-fi are movies about uh, big ideas? Like, you know, hmm. I I, um, uh, I recently saw The Matrix for the first time because yes, I'm woefully uh, behind, but Mike, Mike really wants to see the, the new movie. And so we were catching up. So I, I saw The Matrix for the first time um, and it was a good movie. Um, but I remember hearing about it when it came out and stuff, and people were like, oh, my mind was blown. Like it was revelatory. By this, yeah, by this idea. And I was like, and it's it's just like, okay, they're all batteries in a thing. And then, then but let's get back to the part where they beat each other up. <laughs> like, <you> know, <laughs> fight each other. There's a lot of great action sequences. And the, the second one has some even more some incredibly impressive sequences. It's like, okay, but they're not spending a ton of time on this idea. Right. Uh, which which would be maybe, you know, oh, we live in a fake world. Um, uh, and even um, uh, I mentioned Inception earlier. Right. That was another one that's like an interesting sci fi idea. Um, but ultimately, they're punching they're people and yeah, it's fight you know. scenes. Right. They, you know, they've got the, the end where they attack the winter, you know, the the the. the uh, Arctic fort or whatever, and they've got all, and they've got the guy in the room fighting. Well, I mean, it's all, it's all very cool action sequences. And it's like, all right, I get that. It's, it's, it's hung on this idea of, you know, this really interesting uh, uh, rules of these dreamscapes, but it's not really about dreams or uh, in many ways. So yeah, it's just like, I guess I'm just kind of interested. Like, is is Castro? Should we actually be praising Castro Velva as an attempt to do literary <laughs> sci-fi uh, on television, or, or is it? Yeah, is it just? Is it kind of? Does that the kind of thing doesn't work if you can't if you're not Asimov writing in, in you know great depth? Right. Yeah, I think it probably requires a book or a a much more in depth uh, uh, a series of movies or, or TV show that, that dives into it. And by the way. If you dive into and really, you know, delve into and explore all these parts of a very high concept idea on a TV show or movie, it might be a terrible movie, and a terrible <laughs> TV show. You might, it's like, well, you really covered all sides of that and it is real boring, but yes, you explored every inch of that topic. Yep, so, yep. Um, you know, I think what something like The Matrix tries to do is, well, one thing about The Matrix I would say is, um, you i would put it in the context of why it was popular well it was popular because um for a lot of people it was like a cool movie you know maybe if, if, like you're seeing it at your age like right now and you see it as like that was a cool movie there's some attractive people in it some cool stuff they did with visual effects which at the time had never been done before so right. those were yes. like, oh that's exactly. cool and then if you were like because it came out when we were like 20 i saw it when it came out and part of what happens when you see it when you're like 20 or better yet, more like a teenager is it introduces a couple of philosophical concepts, which are like philosophy 101 concepts. Like right. it's literally the brains in a vat thing. Like that's the yeah. thing you talk about. Do we exist? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> what is existence? Um, yeah. <laughs> and then sort of like, what are the ramifications to that? Like what if you are in the matrix, um, but your life is pretty good and everything's taken care of. Do you want to know the truth, which is that now you have to become some rebel fighter and <laughs> maybe killed at any moment? Um, so which is better? Which are they just two separate? Like, what does it matter? Which one is, quote unquote, real? Yeah. So, you know, those are interesting things you talk about in like 
early philosophy and they're they're cool questions the first time you explore them and then they become like cliche so when you watch it as a you know what are you 75 or so now yeah i mean my late 70s yeah pushing 80 yeah um you know then you watch it now and you're like in my body in my head i'm still 25 (laughs) that's the weird thing but anyway yeah yeah um well so so you watch it now and you're like Okay, these aren't like groundbreaking things. It's like okay, kind of nice, but they, to your point, it's like they're not going to go delve real into all the different uh, sides of exploring different realities because it's mind blowing enough for the fifteen year olds just to be like, "Whoa, what if we were just these brains in a vat?" <laughs> and set them off, and that's all they need to do. They don't need to do more than that because it's a movie, and you do need to get to the punching and kicking to kind of you know. So is that because do you think it's it. because uh, not because it wouldn't be possible to do it? Or because it just wouldn't be a good idea to do it, right? Like, yeah, we I might think, be able to do it, but it'd be a terrible movie. Or is it like, right, no, I think it's going to be really difficult. To just, you have to just unpack this in the literature. I think it's wrong. possible that it could be done in a film and also have it be a good film, but it would be done much more subtly than probably in literature, where in literature you'd probably like just devote several chapters to be doing. In, in a movie, it would have to be done in a very clever way with the script, where you would i mean one of the a film that i actually think does a good bit of reality bending and exploring those ideas is uh the charlie kaufman film adaptation mm-hmm. and uh have you ever seen it uh no but i know the plot i think i mean i think yeah. i've seen it actually so if you watch it again i would yeah, recommend I watching it again. again uh more recently because in addition to the plot which very clearly plays with like reality if you watch the movie itself it's also it's it's just doing really interesting things with it yourself where you're constantly guessing with it. And I think it does a, a good, as good of a job as you could with making that an interesting movie to watch as well, but it definitely plays with psychological concepts and I'm sorry, philosophical concepts and, and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but if it's an action movie at a certain point, and that, and that is not an action movie. Well, and sci-fi um, is though, right? Sci-fi tends to be part tends of it. To be action. It does have yeah. to be, it tends to be adventure action. or action. Yeah. So and then yeah, you things... have to have a quest and a battle. And so right. like, yes, it has to be and they're probably good examples of it where there's, again, kind of subtle things throughout the script and, and delved in that kind of make. Because a lot of the analysis that would come out of the movie is not so much that be hitting you overhead with scenes in a movie because that would be a bad movie. Right. It has to be things that are layered into the film that then you think and talk about later. And you're like, oh, wow. And that character was actually this and that. And so in right. that way, they were being recursive and like doing yeah, that things like sense. that yeah yeah and that's, yeah maybe it is it is sort of like it's the it's it's even you're not going to absorb this now when you're watching this it's when you reflect on it later that you might pick up on it um and yeah to your point just have to have some instant which is why as, as far as i'm aware there's never been like a, a motion picture adaptation of of james joyce's ulysses <laughs> <just been today>. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh that is definitely going to happen by the way did you ever Read I've never what? read it. Uh, I'm afraid to read it. I'm frightened. I don't even think read is the right. From what I understand of it, I don't think read is the right like verb for it. You're sort of <laughs> everybody. I've, I I, no. I was talking about this with Mike. I think the other day. It's like uh, I've always wanted to read. I've never read it. I've always, and and but it's always listed as one of the greatest novels ever written. But some I was talking to somebody whose his theory was. You know, because everybody's like, "Oh, it's terrible to read. It's just forever and as long to get through." And blah, blah blah. But then when I finished it, it was it was like a. I suddenly was like, "Oh, this is amazing." 
my friend's theory was, yeah, I think people just are mad that they read it. And then they say that so that you have to read it too. And you read the whole thing and then you're also mad. <laughs> so it's just, it's a constant, it's a constant. Um, interesting. I'll bring this up because I just uh, tonight uh, was watching a, uh, an interview uh, with Michael Schur, uh, who created the good place, um, which we've talked about before on the show, but um, <clears throat> Michael Schur, um, uh, uh, you know, great comedy writer wrote a lot of sitcoms, The Office, and 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 uh, a writer on The Office wrote a uh, created Parks and Recreation, uh, Brooklyn Nine Nine, um, and uh, and he's contributed a number of us. Great, great writer, really interesting guy, and he wrote a book of philosophy based on um, the show The Good Place, uh, which is a show about moral philosophy. And, and one of the questions uh, in the uh, Q and A of, of his talk was the question I've been dying to know the answer to for years, which is how did you convince the network to let you do a show about moral philosophy? Um, and he said, uh, he said the only way it happened is because after parks and recreation, I was in such a great place with NBC that they said, you can, we, we will guarantee you a season and you can do whatever you want. Uh, you can write anything you want. Um, and he said, okay, I'm gonna, I have an idea. I'm going to hold you to that. He said, I, said I, I should, I shouldn't do just another workplace comedy, even though I love those and he, he enjoys them and, and likes to write them. He's like, but I, I should really try to do something different. And he had this idea. Um, and he said he got Ted Danson and, and Kristen Bell on, on board and stuff like that. And he did. Um, but there's a show that is very much, uh, uh it explores in many episodes, very deep philosophical concepts yes. in great detail. Right. They had, he said they had a, they had the interviewer with him was a philosopher who advised on the show. And they, he said they had like an, a philosophy red phone. Like they'd be writing in the writer's room and they'd be like, Oh, what is, what does Kant say about this? Uh, we better get this right. And they would call, <laughs> how do we explain this on the show? Um, but that is a, a lengthy series. Um, and B, it is it is uh, it's very well done and it's very entertaining. And there's a lot of incident and action to explain these concepts, but it yeah. could not have been easy to do. To read, how do you take these ideas and turn it? So, so yeah, I think it's it's a little bit of audiences don't necessarily want it, but yeah, it's hard to it's it's probably um, uh, difficult uh, to actually and, execute well. And in the good place, which is is great and yeah, maybe one of one of my definitely one of my favorite TV shows ever. Um, they because it's comedy i think they're able to get around some of it by being very explicit and just hitting certain concepts on the nose and saying i mean they literally when they're talking about the trolley problem right. they Do just it. say <laughs> it's the trolley problem and they and they talk about it and and then explore it so but i think that wouldn't be like the comedy aspect of it gave them that format to say like hey we can just kind of say this and it's sort of cheeky that we do that and then now we can just get into it yeah so and it works real well like and it's great and then and then they did layer on other things into the scripts and it's it's an amazing show the funny thing by the way it's funny that you mentioned that because what i i've heard back in my um attempts uh to you know see if i could get into any kind of a tv writing world i feel like i had heard this uh myth or a common story that um everyone who like wants to sell a new sitcom idea um, that the most commonly pitched idea is a story about like people in heaven or hell and, mm. uh, and, and living, but that it, it never works and you can never get it done. And it's, um, it's just like impossible to sell. And then even when it's sold, it gets to pilot. Like apparently there's like lots of pilots where they try it and it's like, no. Nah. Yeah. Um, and I think a lot of that was back in the day. It would be like, 
oh, it ends up being too sensitive a subject and you can't do it. So yeah, some yeah. of that maybe was just with that. But I thought I just love the idea that Mike Schur was like, oh, the thing we can't do. Yeah, I'm doing that. Like, you know? <laughs> and and that may have like, not been yeah. his attitude. It sounds like just a, an interest of his, but it so, seems so to be So what common... I'm hearing conclusion wise is mm. uh, we agree. Castro Valva, brave science brave. fiction yes. television. Uh, and should be adapted by it. Mike Schur. That nails it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> All right. There have been, uh, and I'm gonna I'm gonna check on this during your ranking. But uh, mm. our our most recent count, which has not been updated recently, that's why I'm gonna update it, is that there are 297 official Doctor Who television stories. We have some qualifiers on that now. We say 297, and they have to be official. They have to be Doctor Who, right? And they have to be television stories. So I've got 298 a, on the old uh, uh, on the on the Google. Um, okay. Okay. One challenge I was thinking as we were looking at his last one is we. I assume those count two parters separately. No, uh, it doesn't. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm going okay. by the list, and we should kind of. Hey, you know what? Let's get into the inner workings of the probe. I go by the uh, the the TARDIS. Um, oh, what the TARDIS wiki thing. Yeah. The TARDIS wiki. Um, and they, uh, the TARDIS data core, which is the oh, TARDIS yeah, wiki yeah. at fandom.com. And if you You're go into TARDIS their... wiki at fandom.com. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, it's TARDIS.fandom.com. Your hits just went through the roof. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. They got, they got the probe bump. Yeah. They got the probe bump on that one. So they all um, wait for in, in three yeah, days, Paul's going to check it. <laughs> I believe we talked about this a few episodes past, but the final, uh, current season that's underway uh they Congress list one. one story yeah, yeah um yeah. rather than uh rather than more than one <laughs> yeah but that's a that bridge will burn when we get to it yeah yeah yeah, yeah. well yeah. because we can't do that yeah um so let me get to it they say on this one they still say 297 um Ooh. and they, again they refer to uh so wait has anything happened has anything aired since the looks like the last one was aired on the fifth of December? Have there been new ones? Yes, since there's there? one more. Uh, Eve, Eve, uh, Eve of the Daleks. Um, and it, I, I said I was stuttering there. It's not Eve, Eve, Eve the Daleks. It'd be a terrible title, but no, it's just called have? Eve of the Daleks. I'm sort of surprised they don't have it on here yet. That's, well, hey, hey. Hey, people who do this for free, update your wiki. <laughs> I don't donate to your wiki, and I expect better service. We get, you get a podcast, depending on you. We have legions of our listeners who depend on us for news and information and Benson updates. So, <laughs> And news on international politics. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, all right, so we've ranked 108 of these stories. We're going to uh, you know, knock it up to 110. So yeah. I'll, I'll start off here. Um, so... Vincent and the Doctor, I will say that I ranked it in the higher end of things. Mm -hmm. Um, I did not. I feel like I should have liked it felt like it was like this should be one that's like in contention for my number one. If you just told me what it was about and I tend to like these history ones, love Matt Smith and Karen Gillan. Um, and it didn't quite get into that like top 10 or anything like that for me. It ended up at 22. Um, I have it just below Voyage <laughs> of the Damned, which mm -hmm. I really mm -hmm. liked. Mm -hmm. um, just mm -hmm. above Army of Ghosts, Doomsday, uh, Smith and Jones, and in some ways, I actually like Smith and Jones more than that. I really like that episode. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I, 
So in some ways, I like that better than it, but I didn't. I ranked this one higher than it. I, I, I liked it a lot, and I really do like the history ones, but didn't quite like crack the top 10 or even the top 20 for me, but definitely on the higher end of things. Mm-hmm. When I started to rank Astrovalva, <laughs> boy, it just kept going down the list, and I'm like, no, folding in on didn't it. didn't like it uh, more than that. Um, and it settled into it doesn't get into the bottom of the bottom. It's not in my bottom 10, mm. um, but it's just above it. Um, I have it just below the movie, uh, the ninth, doc- ninth doctor. Yes. Uh, eighth doctor. The eighth doctor. doctor movie. Yeah, yeah. Just below the eighth doctor movie at number 98. Uh, mm. It beats mm-hmm. out the demons. The diamonds. Um, and, and you know, then we get into some real tough stuff like Vengeance <laughs> on Varos and Meglos and Time Lash. So it doesn't get into that. But it's just so nothing and just ugh, yeah. It, it just ended up going down my list. Like I couldn't, in all good conscience, say I would rank it above a lot of the like all these other things. So ended up pretty low, not in the very bottom, but pretty near the end. Yep. Yeah, we're we're pretty close in agreement here. Um. Uh. I I've got Vincent and the Doctor at number fourteen. Uh, okay. So just yeah. blue, uh, robots, science and hilarious. They're not quite cracking in my top ten, but in you know knocking on that door. Um. Uh. And. Uh, I think because it is different, it stands out because it's so different. And that last scene does give it a lot of uh, packs, a lot of punch. Um, and I think part of it is uh, it's, it's sort of the, it's like, it's the emotional wallop of it, right? It's like, let's make Dr. Who about, you know, this, right. I mean, it's not, it's not about exciting. They don't beat the monsters as the, as the, I mean, you know, even beating the monsters is an exciting thing, right? It's not like they were victorious over the monster and we're like, yeah, we got it. And they're like, Oh, Vincent, you should be happy too. And like, it was something, it's like, it was a sad moment throughout. Um, uh, and, uh, and yeah, it was just, I think it was, I think it's interesting. And it stands out for being, um, uh, for being different in sort of that approach. And I appreciate a, an attempt to make Dr. Who, you know, a little bit more emotional, um uh, and so but you know it's still it's not quite in my top 10 because it is it isn't quite it's it's different it's not quite doctor who also right so it's a little uh, yeah. um it's it's a little outside the norm uh but it gets credit uh gets credit for that and, and great performances and uh, uh yeah just a, a lovely story um castro valva same thing i just kept I, I don't dislike castro valva but it just kept going down the rankings like well not better <laughs> than that um and it settles for me at a number 89 so uh uh below like battlefield and silver nemesis which both are um you know at least kind of at least engage they at least have some pace <laughs> at least move along and things happen yeah. um uh and even though that things aren't that great um it is it's, it's so castrovel i i don't I don't dislike Castorvel. I don't find it, um, uh, you know, it's it's got it's it's intriguing for what it tries to do, um, but uh, but just uh, so utterly bombs on the execution or the pacing and sort of the structure of it uh, that I, I can't bring myself to rank it uh, much higher. So uh, yeah, so down to down to number eighty nine. Um, that can't be helping the fifth Doctor's uh, uh, no. position on the old charts there. <laughs> Well, why don't we fire up the old supercomputer here? Do, 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 we end up? Um, yeah, this is uh, you know an occasion where we actually agreed pretty closely. Um, nor- normally, I rank something like number one, and John ranks at number a hundred. <laughs> um, yeah, so we end up with Vincent and the Doctor uh, fourteen uh, out of a hundred eight, and Castro Valva at ninety eight. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, you know, 
about where we had it. I think um, that is that's correct. I'm going to give us a top right. marks for that one. Yeah, if we got I that think right, that's right. Got that right. Um, if you want to see the ranking, uh, which as we've just discussed, two of them we've ranked correctly. The other hundred eight, it's unclear. <laughs> Total <but>. disaster. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, if you want to check that out, you can go to mindprobe.show. You can see all our rankings. You can see our. You can filter it to see our individual rankings. You can rank by doctor. Yeah, let me look at that. Um, it looks like the fifth doctor, not 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 the worst, yeah. uh, not the worst. Uh, yeah. Things really drop off after the fourth doctor for the classic yeah. ones. Um, but uh, you know he's he's doing his level best. Um, and uh, you can also see our watch order, uh, so you can watch ahead with us if you want to watch the episodes as as our podcasts come out, which are fortnightly. We'll see the next, you'll hear the next one in uh, in a couple weeks. And uh, you can also see the descriptions for the shows as they come out. John puts all sorts of good relevant links to give you some background on the episodes. I mean, eventually I do. Yeah. 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 That yeah. eventually I mean, happens. It, happens not ha- it doesn't happen at your pace. It happens at my no, pace. That's right. On yeah. my time. This yeah. is John time. <laughs> uh, and you can also subscribe to the podcast. Hopefully you've already done that. If not, we'd love it if you subscribed. We'd also love it if you rated us. Uh, five stars or whatever the you know whatever stars is a, is a time saver right i mean look, it's not about us i mean right, sure right, it's right. nice if you subscribe it looks good for us but you right. it saves you the time of having to go to your podcast app search for no nothing mind uh, open I, the, I mean like it just tells you right away hey there's new not the mind probe people and that you know that's that's taking time out of your life so it's not for us don't don't do us any favors okay it's it's you that, that benefits that's right from that's, right. that's so, absolutely right <laughs> yeah um you can yeah, so so do that just yeah, do just it just do it all right stop stop farting around you can rate people. us on all the things we love that and then again most importantly um share the podcast to some friends who you think might like it yeah. we would love to have more people friends listening like podcasts to the episode you can contact us porter at mindprobe.show john at mindprobe.show you can mm-hmm. reach out to me on twitter at porter mason mm-hmm. you can support me on patreon i do comics john and they're they're a delight they're hilarious and uh you yeah. can check those out at rooneycomics.com people love r-o-o-i-n-e comics.com uh you can also support me on patreon patreon.com slash porter mason chip in uh, uh a buck or two to to support uh support the comics um and and as we say every episode if you would like to email us i'll tell you one thing that email is going to be read yeah. on this podcast yeah. i can just guarantee yeah. it so if I you mean, just have if something you're like, even if you're like hey try this erectile dysfunction medication um i think i think that's that so what do we have it's in store on. for next episode John? all right well next episode um we're, we're, we're headed actually into the the finale of the season um, did you say we're uh, hurtling toward it hurtling yes we are hurtling uh in 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 eight weeks uh towards the season, <laughs> season finale uh no no it's only gonna be four weeks before we get it uh but before we get to the grand the giant finale there's a little little palate cleanser a little sorbet uh to to cleanse the palate um uh, and that is the the lodger, uh, which is interesting, very interesting. Um, uh, Matt Smith, Karen Gillan episode featuring James Corden. Uh, what? Yes, James Corden is in it. Um, it is not simply they they did not simply have an extra slot and just instead they put on an episode of James Corden's talk show where <laughs> Matt Smith was on it. They were just like, ah, yeah, woo, sci-fi. The doctor's on a talk show. Um, no, uh, but. Um, uh, 
uh, the lodger is a uh, it's a very interesting very different episode uh which is why it was very difficult to pair uh and so it is paired with a a very tenuous link um uh that i feel i fear that when i actually sit down and watch uh the the, the paired episode i'm gonna be like oh there is no link at all so so be prepared <laughs> um for great mystery here. uh but it is a second doctor jamie and victoria's story called fury from the deep is this uh, a cartoon this is another cartoon this is another one that has been missing for a very long time and in very little footage of available no no episodes at all um very little footage from it uh, at all um but uh it is uh it has been animated and released um and uh it's, it's, it's something of a second doctor classic we'll see i this is, this is actually one where i've only uh i I got the uh, cartoon, um, uh, the animated version, a couple months ago, but knew knew it was coming up, so I haven't actually watched it yet. Uh, and I've only listened to this a couple times on audio. So this is an episode where I'm not too familiar with it. So, so we've been watching close to as equals uh, here, as equal as we can. Uh, to be clear, we are not equals. I'm, no. I'm just very small, and you're... Yeah. Um... <clears throat> yeah, I am a giant of Doctor Who knowledge. Now, uh, you said with Jamie and Victoria... Yeah, yeah. So this is right around. This is like Tomb of the Cybermen. Yeah, this, this time. is uh, sort of the end, towards the end of that season. Um, uh, and uh, yeah, there's sort of a link. You know, there's there's a lot of Doctor Who in domestic life is sort of the link. I I think I see here, but uh, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see. Um, uh, domestic life in this case in a giant um, uh, gas refinery. But you know, uh, there's some there's, <laughs> uh, there's a couch. So. <laughs> Well, John, uh, here's to here's to next episode. Can't wait yeah. to watch. I loved some of the cartoons. I really liked the Macro Terror, and I liked the this, Dalek one. This is oh, by the way, this is a six episode. Uh, so it's gonna be interesting. Oh, boy. Pace yourself. Um, no uh, the Lodgers. <laughs> are, are uh, but yeah, supposedly it's just a lot. They actually said this one works better on audio because it's um, uh, it's sounder than actually written by a guy who wrote radio plays. Uh, so, um, uh, I should say, uh, Burbers, that this, this is being broadcast. Porter and I have actually just spent time physically in each other's presence, or will have when this goes out. We have not yet when this is recorded. Our exciting we'll have Palm Springs adventure. Never been yeah. to Palm Springs. You've been to Palm Springs, right? I have, yes, yes. Um, uh, it's, uh, it's very gay. It's very, it's very gay. Very gay. Gay, gay, gay community. Um, uh, but lovely home. We got a, we got a heated pool. That's uh, that's fun. And an outdoor pool table, and, uh, bunk beds. Uh, is it one of these places in California? Like, is, is it just like the desert? Yeah, it's kind of like there's mountains, and yeah, it's kind of it's kind of in the in a deserty area. There's not a lot of the trees and a lot of sunshine. In fact, it's going to be supposedly it's going to be eighty degrees and sunny the entire weekend. We're going to be there with all of our improv friends, folks. Uh, and uh, if you're wondering why we didn't record an episode while we were there with them. Uh, because it would last at least 18 hours uh, <laughs> at a time when yeah. everyone chipping in. So many riffs. So much banter. We could out. use this opportunity to talk to specifically Brett, uh, one of our friends who we'll be seeing this weekend, who I think only made it to about like two episodes of our podcast. Yeah. We're now at episode 55. Brett, screw you, so Brett. To hell with you, Brett. Mindprobe.show.